This is episode 19 of Untangled Faith. On this episode, Nathan and I share about how his employment at Ramsey came to an end and all about that season when everything fell apart. To a point where I started to dread those, not because I felt like my heart had left, but I felt a little bit like the organization had moved on. I soon switched my concern to being afraid that maybe Melissa wasn't safe. I just started praying that Melissa was safe and okay. He became a barometer. Your leader was our canary in the coal mine. We basically said, if he quits, something is really wrong. I think that was the night that we're like, it was terrible. We can't stay. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. Today I'm sharing part three of our Ramsey story. If you're just now jumping in, you can find parts one and two on episodes 17 and 18. In those episodes, I covered seven years of our journey. Part one started in the fall of 2011, and at the end of part two, we left off near the end of 2018. As we started this conversation for this episode, Nathan and I were feeling the extra weight of this conversation. You're just being nice to me because you know this one's going to be rough. It's a sad season. I'm feeling the heaviness of this one. Yeah. We're going to talk about 2018, 2019. So during that time, how are you feeling about your job, your workplace, or your thoughts at the time? I think we talked last time about how there was a big push towards a new building. There were a number of things that were going on as part of that, that weren't sitting great with me. They kind of fell in that category of things that felt like we were doing it for the money and not just to help people. Right. I remember we had a bunch of walks around the old neighborhood, but in in that other neighborhood, I remember walking around and having conversations about just some of these things that felt like they had the wrong motivation behind them. Were you thinking that these were deal breakers for you? I don't think I was thinking that any of them was a deal breaker individual. I was never thinking, you know what, Nathan's going to leave his job. I was thinking the shine has wore off. We are more aware of the positives and the negatives of the company. In most places, they're okay with you recognizing that they're not perfect. But we knew that in the case of Ramsey, you weren't really allowed to vocalize your what you were seeing as negatives. We would talk about it amongst ourselves. Again, in my mind, it was like, well, there's no perfect place to work. And maybe we had thought for a while that Ramsey was pretty close to that. But I was like, yeah, it's not perfect. But there's a lot of good things about it. I think for me... Because I would drive by that new building on the way to and from work. And I don't remember when it was, but I remember there was a point where I drove by and was just wondering if I'm actually going to ever be in that building. There were a number of times when Dave would get up and give the talk that would come up on a regular basis about a crusade, which is one of the company values was that that we're on a crusade and we're doing this for a mission. That and that would get mixed a little bit with just the idea of loyalty. And there would be a, a talk that would come up maybe two, three times a year. It would be this talk about the crusader mentality and that we're all in this to do these big things. And that talk would almost always end with, and if you're not 
excited by this. And if you're not fully on board with all these things that we're doing, then then your heart has left and you need to leave with it. I got to a point where I started to dread those, not because I felt like my heart had left, but I felt a little bit like the organization had moved on. And the things that I prized about the mission and prized about the crusade, that the organization was seeing other things as being you know, more important. Every time that came up, I was always concerned that it would be the last time and that it would be the time that it would force me to come home and have some tough conversations about how it was time to move on. But it was never because I felt like I had changed. It really felt like the company was gradually changing around me. I think driving by that building and looking at it and thinking, I wonder if I'm ever going to be in that building. I think it was partly that, just seeing that that things were not the way they were when we first joined. Because I do my introspection after that meeting and I'm like, no, I still fully believe in this team that I'm on. I fully believe in the things that we're doing within my team. Introspect and then decide that everything's fine. Or if not fine, that it wasn't enough to warrant leaving because there was all this good that was going on and that I was participating in and great team and and loving the stuff I was getting to do. Yeah. It's a hard thing to communicate because in the last episode, we talked about the red flags and it would seem you must've been really unhappy, but that's not really the case. There was a lot of cognitive dissonance because Ramsey positioned itself as being a model workplace and the language around you needing to be completely in and completely embracing everything, most employers don't require that. They aren't constantly being reminded that maybe they aren't fully bought in. But from the beginning, Ramsey was different and they're proud of being different. But at this point, it didn't feel like a positive. I think I do want to say that combination of this is the best place to work. People are clamoring to get in, but we only hire the best. And so if you're here, you're one of the best. And it's so much better here than it is anywhere else. And you have to be 100% bought in. And if you're not, and we find out that you're not, we'll help you leave because people are clamoring to get in. And we only hire the very best, but there's a whole bunch of people out there clamoring to get in. I think that, and I don't know, but I've had off and on the dreams where I wake up and I'm like dreaming about being back in a Monday meeting or a Wednesday meeting and having this like horrible feeling that I'm going to get caught and kicked out. And this is after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, yeah. I don't know that I'd be welcome back in anyway at this point. Just having that feeling of, oh no, if they catch me, they're going to kick me out. And that being this recurring dream nightmare that I've had, I think it probably comes from that mix of those things that like, you really want to be here. This is the best place you need to be here. And honestly, I did want to be there because I was working with great people. And also, if we find out that you have any misgivings about this place, then you're going to get kicked out. That's a lot to process. That Mm -hmm. can mess with you. Yeah. I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but it's important enough to state again, paying attention to what was happening in the evangelical Christian world especially the reporting on Bill Hybels and James McDonald, had a huge impact on me. Anyone who was paying attention would easily have concerns about the Christian celebrity world. I mentioned this in my conversation with the religion journalist, Bob Smetana. The thing that really pushed me was Hybels and McDonald. And it was the, the McDonald reporting when I read that and his extreme narcissism yeah. and anger I read that World Magazine article and I thought, someday I'm going to wake up. I'm going to turn on my phone. It's going to be Ramsey. It wasn't an if. I just, I knew it would be someday. Yeah. I didn't tell Nathan that at the time, but it seemed inevitable to me. There's too many similarities in the little flashes that I'd seen. And then Christmas Party Wild Horse Saloon 2018 happened. My friend Melissa did not show up. 
Nathan and I reminisced about that night. It was quite the event. But you know what I remember most about it was that my friend wasn't there. She was missing. Mm-hmm. But I remember it being something that you were trying to figure out. Or Yeah, I had texted her. I had looked around. It was so packed. It was hard to see mm-hmm. who all was there. And I had never heard back from her. And I really didn't believe that she had been there. And then I asked another friend. I asked Lydia if she had seen her. And she hadn't. And I was really concerned that something terrible had happened. If you followed our story or much of the Ramsey news over the last year, you probably know who Melissa is. But for those of you who don't, my friend who was missing was Melissa Hogan. Melissa was married to Chris, one of the highest profile Ramsey personalities. But I knew Melissa as my friend. And the fact that they weren't at the biggest event of the year and that she wasn't responding to my texts was alarming. This doesn't make any sense at all. And it doesn't fit with the pattern of what I knew of Melissa to just disappear. It was just a couple months ago, I told you that I hadn't really slept well since that time, since that Christmas party Mm -hmm. night. And you didn't know that. I certainly didn't know that it had been years. No. Yeah. My sleep has been disturbed since that night. And I had some sort of anxiety that's just stayed with me since then. It was around the time Christmas happened. People are busy. Still, I haven't heard from her. And you're back to work after the holiday break. And that was the time for the book launch for Chris Hogan's new book. In early January, 2019, Chris Hogan's book, Everyday Millionaires, was released. This was a huge deal. The Ramsey organization had been looking forward to this release and the subsequent book tour. All of the employees were given a copy of the book, and as soon as Nathan brought it home, I grabbed it to see if the book would give any clues as to why I was not hearing anything from Melissa. And I opened it up looking to see. There was nothing mentioned in the whole book. He doesn't mention her at all. There's nothing in the dedication, nothing in the acknowledgement. It concerned me, but what do I know? I know nothing. I remember it being something that you did call out. It seemed like something, it seemed not right, but I soon switched my concern to being afraid that maybe Melissa wasn't safe. I just started praying that Melissa was safe and okay. I think it was after looking through that book, I was just determined, I I need to, I want to know what's happening. So I just, I was sitting on the couch in our family room. I brought up Twitter and I was looking at the timeline, Chris's timeline and seeing who was he interacting with? And who was commenting on his stuff? And I happened to see a comment from somebody, several comments from the same person with Bible verses. For some reason, I decided I'm going to look it up. I I mean, who sends a Bible verse to someone? You probably were watching a movie or something next to me while I'm doing this without your knowledge. Detective Amy mode (laughs) is on. And so I'm like, I'm going to look up those verses. And I did. And they were about adultery. My heart sank. I felt sick in my stomach. And I just said, how dare he? I'm not sure there's any way for me to adequately explain everything I was feeling in this moment. I felt sick and angry and scared and sad. All of these emotions at the same time. These tweets weren't from a random person. They were from someone who knew Chris very, very well. And I could think of no other reason for them to be sending tweets 
with Bible verse references about adultery, along with messages that said how this could really mess up a family. I I knew in my heart that he had cheated on her. Uh, It just seemed to fit with all the other things, even though we had no like hard and fast evidence, nobody had said anything. And now what do I do? Does anyone know? Does the people know? Are they dealing with it? Is she okay? And is he going to lose his job? Because I, I was absolutely convinced I'd read the book. I knew where Dave stood on this. And so I had all these horrible mixed feelings in my head. Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership, was clear. If your spouse can't trust you, Dave can't trust you. Page 152 says this. I also won't let a team member stay if they decide to have an affair. It went on to say, those are the types of things that cause someone who has been with us 10 minutes or 10 years to be let go quickly after we discover it. We wrestled with it on our walks around the neighborhood, though, for weeks. I think for most of that time. It was, okay, is this real? When we talked to that, I'm like, no, this really feels like this. This could be a new thing. This could be real. Then the next thing was, does the company know? Right. And what is our responsibility? And I was thinking, if you know this information and you don't say something. But this is a person that is the face of the company in many ways. This is a person who is going out and representing all of us on news broadcasts around the country and is... Yeah, the stakes were very high. We were also in the middle of packing our house up (laughs) to move. We prayed about it and just waited. We were in a wait and see mode. So we just prayed and watched and they sent Chris off for the book tour. And when he came back, Nathan says, they just announced that Chris is taking some time off. He's been working really hard and he's just a thoroughbred. Dave likes to use that word. Still, no word from Melissa. She's not communicating. I keep wondering if I'm bugging her. We just waited to see because we thought maybe he'll go on a book tour and then something will happen because they had been working towards this book tour for quite a while. Right, right. right. If they knew about it, maybe they were just deciding, okay, we'll get this done with and then we'll deal with it. Yeah. So what happened when the book tour ended? It was a meeting where they talked about him just needing to go down hiatus for a while, that it was like, it was just a lot and he needed to take a break. I think I remember you saying that there was like a comment about like, he's like a thoroughbred and they just don't ever stop. There was still that thought in the back of my mind that they must not know this. Yeah. There was a lot of confusion. We, and we could not talk to anyone about this, only each other. And that was hard. I remember being in a Bible study and I could not tell my Bible study group. I could not tell my Bible study leader because her husband was a contract employee at Ramsey at the time. After that month, Chris comes back. Melissa still isn't saying anything. I think the 4th of March, it was like right at the beginning of March that he had come back and there was a celebration. Everything was just back to normal. Like Hogan's back. Hooray. And there was a big you know, celebration about the success of the book tour. And I think that was what made me realize that either A, they didn't know at all, or they did know when they were going to be fine with it. Mostly thinking they must, they don't know. They must not yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. They must not know. And, you know, Melissa was still MIA. She had fallen off the edge of the earth, was like barely communicating. Like I had gotten one response maybe that just said, hey, thanks for praying for us. Yeah, we're dealing with some hard things right now. And that was all. 
but I had noticed, I think I had watched Chris on the video channel. I don't think he had a wedding ring on anymore. That concerned me. So once we got into our new house and settled, we had a conversation where I brought it up again and said, I think it's time to talk to your leader. And we were scared. I I remember being really nervous about it, but we knew we trusted your leader. And I knew if anyone knew anything, it would be him. This because of their family's relationship with this other family. Right. Because they were friends with, with Chris and Melissa. But I was nervous enough that I didn't want you to use your Ramsey email account to yeah. email him on his Ramsey email account because I was afraid if it was wrong that you would lose your job. So I still have that email. It was interesting to go back and read it because it shows where we were in terms of trying to process through all of it. it. Ultimately came down to my just saying, I'm just uneasy about this. And if I've misread this situation, it'll be a great relief. But if we haven't, I really don't want to get someone fired, but... You also knew how Dave had handled other situations or how leaders right, had handled right. other situations right. and that this was such a public-facing person. Um, and I think there was that concern that if the company did know, because one of the things that I mentioned in here was just being concerned about being able to believe in the integrity of the company, that if we say we do something, we do it from the bottom to the top. Yeah. And so that was the heart of it. And yeah. it's a big deal because it speaks to whether or not the company does what it says it does. Yeah. If the company knows about it. Yeah. If the company doesn't know about it, then maybe they need to know about it because yeah. this is a person that represents all of us at the company. He heard me. He had some similar questions, I believe. And he was trusting that the board was was handling things the right way. But he didn't give you any information, did he? He did not. He did say that that he might encourage me to speak to leaders above him uh, and that he could help me do that. But it also wasn't a, you should speak to the leaders above me. It was a, you might. Uh, But I think at that point, I was content to just wait. I have absolute faith in, in my leader. I felt like we had done the right thing and we could watch and wait and see what he did. Yeah. Cause we trusted him. He became a barometer. Your leader was our canary in the coal mine. We basically said, if he quits, something is really wrong. As a point of clarification, we weren't just deciding to do whatever his leader decided, but we knew this man's character and integrity. We also knew that he had information about the situation that we didn't have. We were considering all of this with what we had seen and heard personally. Sometime in March, I ended up running into Melissa at a flag football game. And it was the first time I'd seen her since November. The first time we'd had a conversation and she had a prepared statement for me. And it was basically, Chris and I are separated right now. And... God's taking care of us and he's being a a father to my boys and a husband to me. And that was it. So I'd seen the tweets about adultery. She says that they were separated and says nothing else. And so these were the, these are the things that we knew for sure. Right. I want to call out the fact that you do not commonly just attend flag football matches. So. <laughs> yes, I went because I knew she'd be there. 
And I was determined to see her and hug her and make sure she was okay. And it really wasn't to satisfy your curiosity. This was someone that you missed and you cared about and you just wanted to make sure she was okay. I was so relieved just to be able to see her and to see other people that were there that were in her life that were supporting her and that she wasn't alone. It gave me a great feeling of relief in that sense. But still, there was that tension of not knowing what was going to happen. Every once in a while, your leader would touch base with you and ask you how you were feeling. Yeah, there were a couple situations specifically. There was a honestly somewhat bizarre Devo message where it was very uncommon for Dave or one of the people on staff to speak at Devo. And there was a Devo that Dave actually spoke at. It was a one, yeah, usually on Wednesdays, you would have guest speakers come, like pastors or Christian leaders would speak. And Dave spoke. And then the second half of the the hour, probably more than an hour, honestly, shifted over to being about the righteous living value that the company has. And I'm sitting there and listening. Okay, this is pretty overtly talking about sexual immorality and not doing things you wouldn't want to have be on a billboard outside your mom's window and stuff like this. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be the point where at the very end they say, and Chris had an affair and we had to let him go or, or something. And it wasn't, it just was about righteous living. And then it ended and, and it just, they kept the leaders back and I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's, still what's going on but it it felt very strange for it to have been obviously about this particular topic in nathan's notes from this meeting he mentioned that dave made a reference to a brother-in-law who had called in and dave said this brother-in-law was trying to get someone fired dave went on to mention several incidences of people trying to extort money from them and that somebody had said they had a manuscript and that it was naming names but that Ramsey had investigated and that it was all lies. Nathan also mentioned that this speech from Dave was in the context of the company defending the innocent, but firing those who live a life of sin, and that they investigate these things because this is important. Now for a quick break. Not long ago, I made a decision that changed my life and my relationships. I started going to counseling, and I'm so glad I did. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, Faithful Counseling makes it so easy to get started. I know you don't like talking on the phone, so it's good news that you can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith Podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Fill out a questionnaire, and you'll be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Now back to the show. I think my leader was aware, because I think he and I are both, he, he was wrestling with the same things, it turns out, concerns about what was going on, but he had a little bit more insight into it. And so, yeah, he checked in with me afterward just to see how how I was doing. He 
rightly assumed that would have been what I was thinking throughout that entire part of the the mm-hmm. meeting. I think there might have been one other one before all of this because he did circle back and just let me know that he had talked to the leaders above him and that that there was something there was something that was potentially a fireable offense and they were trying to decide what to do about it. I think I already knew that before this Devo thing, partly just to let me know that no it wasn't about that that but that he'd still been talking to honestly uh, board members above him about this, but that he really mm-hmm. still didn't have anything to tell me. Yeah. It was right after that meeting that I, since I had finally connected with Melissa in person at the flag football game, I messaged her and just said, Nathan had this meeting at work. It was sort of confusing. And I'm just wondering if he would be willing to give us any more clarification about what you're dealing with and what's going on with you. No pressure if you can't, but you know, if you could, it would be great. And I said, Nathan, I don't fear the truth. And you wouldn't be putting us in an awkward situation. Yeah, We're just praying for discernment regarding where God is leading us for our next right thing. And I said, I did want you to know that Nathan has started conversations with his direct supervisor and only him about some things he's concerned about. And I want Jesus to be honored in all things. And she said she was going to pray about it and get back to me. She was going to talk to like her women's, women's leader at her church. And the next day she messaged me back and she said she had prayed about it and she just not did not feel like God was giving her that release to speak about it. And I just said, all right, I understand it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So she had the opportunity to tell us. Yeah. She said nothing. I think the next week towards the middle of April. got called into a meeting and my leader quit and quit without anything lined up. He wasn't leaving to go take some other job. He was just quitting and not saying why. Mm-hmm. And I think I went outside after that and like just called you from the parking lot. It just struck fear in me. It was our sign. We knew that if your leader quit, it was a sign that things were not being handled very well. And I was at my friend Lydia's house babysitting. I think when I got either that call or I had just processed that call from you and I told her what happened and she was like, what is going on? We didn't have full clarity at the time, but it was very, we were very anxious. After Nathan's leader announced his resignation, Nathan sent him a message asking if they could meet. And the only conference room we could get was the executive boardroom downstairs right next to all the off right next to Dave's office. And we realized that like, how about a walk? It's just building over. And so we went, we just walked around again. There are boundaries in terms of what you could communicate downward that were negative and what you could communicate upward. And he was still being very respectful of those boundaries. And so whatever it was that he knew was enough to be causing him to leave, but he couldn't tell me what it was that was causing him to leave. He just said it was related to this issue. And I also remember you telling me that he told you not to do anything stupid. Yeah. He said, don't leave without a plan. Don't do anything stupid. Do go and talk to leadership about this. So he encouraged me to go and talk to them. I was trying to figure out how to broach that with them because I hadn't actually talked to them yet. So I was trying, I was trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. After he left in the time between when he announced he was leaving, when he actually left on his last day, 
that he was actually there. I think it was the next day then that he pulled me aside to let me know that that the fact that I had similar concerns had come up and they were going to want to talk to me. I ended up being pulled into a meeting with the head of the head of my division and another person just to try to alleviate my concerns. You know, they told me how so disappointed that that my leader had left without giving them a chance to try to convince him otherwise. And they were all just learning about these things in the moment. They had just learned about these things right now. The reason why Jeff left, which again, I still didn't. And so they were saying that this is the first that they'd heard of it and they needed to, they wanted me to give them time. They wanted to talk to me on Monday. So we went away and we actually went on a trip that weekend and we processed this over the weekend. When I got back, it turned out that one of them wasn't in that day. And so it was going to have to be postponed. Okay. And then Right at the end of the day, it, I found, not, I don't know when I found out that day, but it turned out it wasn't going to be postponed, that instead I was going to be meeting with two board members. I had a meeting with the board member, honestly, that Jeff had encouraged me to go and talk to, and then another one. I took notes. I didn't take notes in the meeting. Right. I took notes as fast as I could after the meeting. As soon as I got out, I went outside and scribbling down everything I could remember about what had been said because it was such a big deal to me. It was the board member that oversaw my entire division and then the board member that oversaw Chris's division. Nathan told me later as he was talking about this meeting that she opened this meeting by looking at him and looking at her notes and saying, here's what we think you think you know. And right off, they confirmed that Chris had an affair. Now they said that it was 10 to 12 years ago, but that Chris had an affair. And that was honestly, the first time that we had confirmation that what we were most afraid of here was actually the truth. Nathan told me that he didn't doubt what she said about the past affair, but based on all the things that were happening currently, it didn't ring completely true that all the issues were from a decade ago. Not to mention the fact that we had both recently reread the Entree Leadership book and what Dave had said in there, that it didn't matter if somebody had worked for him for 10 minutes or 10 years. That felt like that might be true. And also that there had been one more recently. She said they were acting consistently with how they'd acted with previous people. And that actually she laid out a fair amount of what they were doing in terms of trying to provide counseling and all this stuff. I think the implication there was that somehow this had just come to light and that that was what was causing the marital issues. And so they were trying to like Without actually saying that, saying that there was an affair 10 to 12 years ago, and then we're trying to help them. It feels to me now like it might have just been very carefully choosing words to say, yes, there was this thing, which is true. There was an affair 10, 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. and also true that they were trying to give them counseling that left out a fairly important detail in the middle, which was that there had been at least one other affair recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through all of this, there was sort of the underthread that this is what we're doing, unless more information comes out, Chris is going to be here unless something else comes to light. That's the decision that they've made, that he's part of the succession plan and that I needed to choose if I can trust leadership. And if I can't, then, well, you know, and that that whole idea of if you can't trust leadership, then your heart has left the building and you're going to have to go with it. And that my leader had lost that trust. And that was why he had left was that he had lost that trust in leadership. Do you remember what they said about my relationship with Melissa? 
They said people are not always who they seem to be. And you were probably, you weren't as close to Melissa as Casey probably was. I have no idea what she was attempting to accomplish by downplaying my friendship with Melissa. But I don't actually care who Melissa is closer to. And her opinions on Melissa's friendships were irrelevant. And the implication there being that Melissa was saying things that weren't true and that we shouldn't believe the lies that Melissa was saying, which she hadn't said anything. What I was hearing was unfortunately like confirmation more than setting my mind at ease. Yeah. Were you reassured by the words that like we're acting consistently with how we've dealt with? Oh, no, no. Like the from the get go of yes, he had an affair. And it was while he worked there. That was like the sinking pit in my stomach where it's okay, they know. This is absolutely something that they know about. Because when they said that, I didn't believe that was the only affair that they knew about. Because that didn't make sense, that all of this would be coming from an affair 10 to 12 years ago. We'll talk about this more in depth in another episode. But we had confirmation later that Nathan's instincts were absolutely right. The fact that they were willing to imply that any affair that they knew about had happened a decade ago while conveniently leaving out what they knew had happened recently, was deceptive. It has been a really big disappointment to know that Nathan's executive vice president sat there silently, and knowing now that he knew the truth at the time of that meeting, he knew that Nathan was a good man. And he also knew while he sat there that they were covering for someone who was not. They told you to go home and pray about it, right? They said to pray for discernment. And actually, I might have said, we have been. And so that night we talked, and we were sitting in the family room and processing it together and just feeling sick over it. I think that was the night that we're like, it was okay, terrible. We can't stay. I think that was the night where we had to come to grips with that. that yeah, like, I remember sitting there just in silence together, both just devastated and not wanting mm-hmm. to say it, what needed to happen. And I, I remember saying, I don't want you to have to quit. That was the acknowledgement that you were going to have to. I was like, I don't want you to have to leave. But it was a big, big deal. You weren't going to lie and say that you were okay with it. At that point, I had to decide, can I trust them? And I had to uh, acknowledge the fact that no, I don't trust them. I don't trust that they actually are doing the right thing in this and that they don't know about this other thing. Yeah. You were in the middle of a big project at work and you were hoping to wrap it up though. I remember remember you thinking- I hope they don't ask me to report back right away. I just didn't want to leave my team with a mess to try to. And I don't think anybody said anything the next day. Wednesday, you were clear. You just went to work and you worked. Thursday, though, the leader that was over your leader who had just resigned had a meeting with you, right? He knew that this was ongoing and just like, oh, why did you have to ask me that? I just wanted to be asked that question on Monday. Because even if I was asked to leave right away, I would have had those two more days just to try to get this thing done and leave Mm -hmm. the team in a better state. Yeah. And and I had to tell him like, no, I don't think that I'm okay. Did he want to hear the details of the situation? He really didn't. He wanted me to talk to the board members again. I didn't know when they would want to meet with me, but then I got an invitation that day for half an hour from right at the end of my day. And so (laughs) I remember... Uh, calling you and saying, yeah, I have to go talk to talk to the two board members again. And you encouraging me, just don't do it. Don't do I it. I had been pacing and praying all day in my room, asking other friends who weren't Ramsey related people to pray. And 
essentially your leader was gone and I was friends with his wife, I messaged her and she was like, tell Nathan, he doesn't have to have another meeting with them. But you were like, I feel like I need to have this last meeting. I think his leader was still hoping that they would be able to convince me or something, or that if I shared my concerns with them, that somehow this would all work out. At that point, I knew it wasn't, but I also felt like I wasn't going to be able to change anything by staying, but maybe if I actually was clear about why I was leaving, that it might have an impact after I was gone. Yeah, yeah. Nathan mentioned that this final meeting was another one of those meetings where his EVP was mostly silent and the other board member did most of the talking. I remember having rehearsed what I wanted to say in my head. I think I went up to the top of the stairwell that went nowhere in the building and was just sitting up there trying to think what I was going to say because there were a number of things that I'd had misgivings about. And and those are the things that we'd been talking about on the walks. And they were the things that when you combine them with this ended up meaning that I did not have faith in them to make the right decision anymore. I had these other concerns and I wanted them to know that like these other things aren't okay either. And I remember talking about those things. And then the one EVP who did most of the talking saying, oh, well, this was never about Chris then you lost faith in us a long time ago. And it's That's just, such a terrible, horrible gaslighting thing to say as if it was your fault that you had concerns when it was all about things that yeah. they had done. Yeah. As if any of that would mean that they shouldn't take you seriously when they weren't being consistent in how they were. Right. Cause it, it came down to you lost faith in us. Not any of those concerns are warranted. I think it was my EVP said, so it sounds like this is your resignation. And I think it is. Yeah. In retrospect, do you wish you hadn't resigned? Do you wish you would have just told them and made them do something? Yeah. I kind of wish that I had not so meekly just left. Not meek in the sense that I was afraid or anything. Just meek in the sense that I left very quietly and very properly. They told me, go home. We'll call you tomorrow. And I just went up and I grabbed my stuff. There was a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that if I didn't get to come back, that that I would have at home. So I took home more than I normally would have taken home. But I didn't say anything to any of my coworkers that were still up there working. I just like, good night, grabbed my stuff, left my laptop in case they would accuse me of having taken it home or something and just left quietly. So yeah, I wish that I had made them fire me or made them, or, or if I had just like said that and said, no, because I I still believe in what we're doing. But I think what I said was that I didn't think that I could make any change by staying. Yeah. And I mean, and I still think that's true, that there was nothing I could do by staying. And I hope that by leaving, I could do something. Yeah. And, and you went home and you didn't even know if you were supposed to go back in the next day. No, I had to text my leader's leader, the, the one that had talked to me earlier in the day, and just say, they told me to go home. I'm supposed to come in tomorrow? Because I'm still in the middle of this project. Should I come in? And then they'll catch me. And he's like, well, I, I don't know. I'll go find out. And I got a text back said, no, just stay home and they'll call you. But then you invited yourself to my exit interview. It seemed only right. It's different looking back in retrospect in the middle of all of this. I don't know that I was thinking as clearly about all of this even then as I was now. I knew what needed to happen, but it was yeah. still such a sudden thing. Like I'd had all day to process it, but it was like just crazy. And so I was grateful to have you there. Do you remember me saying in the exit interview that I was proud of you? 
I remember them saying that they were proud of me, which was just bizarre. But I know. I said, I have never been more proud of Nathan. And they're like, oh, we're proud of him too. <laughs> I want to go back in time and ask them, what exactly what do you mean by that? Yeah. are you proud of? And then they talked to us about how it was all going down with benefits and such. And the HR director escorted us up the elevator to your desk area to clean out the rest of your stuff. And it was completely empty. Nobody there. Left some notes on my whiteboard for the team just saying goodbye. Yeah, it just was bizarre. Like go up there, there's no one there. I never got a chance really to say goodbye to anyone in person. I wrote about that exit interview day on our blog. Here's some of what I wrote. I thought back to how we had taken a leap of faith when we accepted this job and how we were taking an even bigger leap with leaving it. When I later asked Nathan what he was feeling during this moment, he noted, realizing how quickly his presence there would be erased. For over seven years, he invested his best in this organization, and it only took a few minutes to gather up his things, leaving no trace he was ever there. Leaving that note on the whiteboard was one last attempt to say, Nathan Fritz was here. There's something in all of us that desires to leave our mark on a place. The truth is, even if Nathan's name is rarely or never spoken again there, his fingerprints are all over his former team, he left part of himself in the code he wrote, and he left part of himself in the people who are still there. In Entree Leadership, Dave Ramsey writes, Integrity also means consistency. If you react the same way every time and in every similar situation, you don't have to put your company values in a brochure because your team sees them lived out every day. I was proud of Nathan's integrity. We left behind a place that had been a home for us in many ways. It was the right choice. It was the hardest choice. Wade Mullen says many people want to continue to enjoy what the abusive community produces, things like teachings, works of art, or services. By doing so, they provide the nourishment that the abusive community needs to grow strong. We couldn't be a part of it anymore, even though it meant jumping with no safety net. We hoped it would make a difference. Those meetings, followed by Nathan's sudden resignation, broke our hearts. Even though we had concerns throughout the years, we had always been able to weigh them against what we believed was the heart of the company. To realize that they knew the truth, and they didn't care. Pulled back the curtain all the way. Just like Dorothy realizing the wizard was a farce, we came to believe the real motivation at Ramsey was money. Seeing who and what they were willing to hurt and discard to protect that money was devastating. I wrapped up my conversation with Bob by answering his question of what I wished would happen. Prayed for hearts to be changed. I do think it's important for people to know the truth so that they can decide whether it matters to them or not. I can't make it matter to Mm -hmm. someone. I can't make them care. I don't want someone to be able to say If you had told me, if I had known, I wouldn't have participated in that. I would have wanted to know the truth. As much as I would have tried to shut it down, I would have wanted someone to tell me. Yeah. And you know what? I don't fault people there. There's so many wonderful, godly people that work there. And, And it's such a big place that they may have a wonderful experience. They may have a great leader. Yeah. But at a certain point, though, you can't help but see all of the dead bodies. You're having to tripping yeah. over the dead bodies. Yeah. You're purposefully not seeing it. Telling our story is complicated by the fact that it isn't just our story. It was the realization that a family was in crisis that started this chapter. We had our own disillusionment, but the harm inflicted on Melissa 
by board members at Ramsey Solutions when she came to them for help cannot be overstated. And while you have heard a small part of her story here, most of you will never know the depths of what she has and is still walking through. Thanks for listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. You can support this work by joining our membership community on Patreon. There you can find bonus interviews, transcripts, access to live streams. To check this out, go to untangledfaithpodcast.com and click on members. As always, you can find all the show notes at untangledfaithpodcast.com and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Untangled Faith. And I'm on Twitter as Faith Untangled. On the next episode of Untangled Faith. Truthfully, um, we had folks working here that heard things and believed that we were covering for Chris and quit. So, which is kind of okay. It's probably a good thing. I love you, but if you don't believe I've got integrity and do what I say I'm going to do, you should quit. And if you don't have the backbone to come ask what the flip's going on, you should quit if you're just going to believe lies on their face. I'm okay with that. That's how this works. It's messy, y'all. This is grown-up talk, isn't it? Welcome to your first day. (laughs) Toxic loyalty is not called for. That's a cult trait. But loyalty, I got your six, is a character trait. And what you can hear from this is, I got, we got your six, and we expect reciprocation. It's mandatory. You either firm me or you again me.